Welcome. I totally forgot about the intro. <laughs> I was just going to get right into it. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever in the world you might be. I am Nicole BZ, and you know everything. I'm recording an intro. You might notice slightly new backdrop. Same microphone. I actually have a new microphone that I need to be um, reading the directions on, mainly to get using... God, words busy. Okay, so we're off to a really strong start. And in fact, I'm actually re-recording this episode. If you noticed, the last episode had, I don't know, just not great things happening all around. But as you know, or if you're just joining me, this, this is my art. This is what I create for me, for you. I like to highlight the conversations that I'm having every single day with business owners from all around the world that I get to work with and support and partner with. And so it, this is re, me sharing with you the very fascinating purview I get into business and emerging businesses and growing businesses. I feel like I get this crazy insider's look and I continually find myself in new communities and new spaces. I'm constantly looking. I love learning. And we've been talking a lot more about technology in this space. And you know, it always feels like there's a new buzzword, whether it's Web3 or crypto, AI, and ultimately what we're discussing and what we're barely feeling like we can keep up with is digital transformation. So what I wanted to do today, and this is really going to be for the nerds out there, for people in business, if you're feeling like you're constantly playing catch up when it comes to technology, or if you're wondering like, how the hell can you start to employ some of the key components in business when it, in regards to technology, that's really what I'm going to be talking about today. So some of you, this is like not going to be your thing. That's totally fine. Uh, I was curious when we talk about digital transformation, when I talk about Web3, I say, you know, you're not saying yes to Web3 and I'm going to become a Web3 business and I'm going to understand crypto and become an investor. You're essentially saying yes to your future, yes to success. And you're demonstrating the fact you have a growth oriented mindset, right? Like I like learning. I like trying new things. I like experimenting. I like evolution. I like growth. And I am a big believer in Web3 and crypto. As you know, there's a ton of other resources that I'm creating around that. But what I ask myself why, because I don't think it's going to solve every single business problem ever, nor is it going to save a whole swath of businesses that are probably not going to be around in the future. I, I think it's a mindset. I think it's this awareness that things are changing faster now than ever. And so many of us feel disenfranchised. We feel defeated. We feel like we don't get to be a part of this evolution for whatever reasons. There's a million of them out there. But I challenge that because I also now think that the skills are available to be learned in a, 
way that is more accessible than it has ever been before. You can get a PhD level education online for free right now if you want. You can join communities. You can access the experts, the leaders in fields, and get answers to questions that you would just never have even been able to ask, let alone ask in a space where where the person that you pedestalized forever is in. And I mean, now we've even got ChatGPT, so you could ask AI that literally combs the internet for the best of answers and gives them to you instantly. Like you can have an ongoing dialogue with intelligence. And that's one of the many things we're going to talk about today. I'm going to do another episode really about like what makes you an artist because AI is challenging that 100%. AI is absolutely one of the core components of business and digital transformation that anyone really needs to be thinking about, along with cloud computing, data privacy, workflow automation, and digital transformation. So I like digital transformation kind of summarizes all of this, but we're going to finish up the episode with that. Cloud computing, data privacy probably feel really unsexy, kind of like maybe this whole episode, <laughs> depending on what you consider sexy. Uh, but they, they actually, especially for small business, especially for my solopreneurs and my creators out there, they're probably the most important and also the things that you've been using already right? Workflow automation. Another, like I find that super duper sexy. I've got a very strange kink, but these are things that have existed in business for a long time now. And again, if we don't have a, like I called this episode merging the emerging, because if we don't have an existing strategy, something that we are continually revisiting in a structured manner in our business, like, of course, you're going to feel left out and left behind and like you're playing catch up. I actually had to put a policy in place in my businesses where I didn't, because I'm a software whore. <laughs> Probably shouldn't use that word now that we're on YouTube, but uh, I use lots of bad words, so let's be real. Uh, I like Because I like anytime I see a new piece of tech, I'm like, we should implement that. We should try that. So I'm constantly making my team, speaking of team members, Shannon, I'm constantly making my team jump through tech hoops and software trainings and implementations because I love, I love me a good um, update. But it, it is also like a waste of time and energy. So every 18 months is kind of my rule now. And so I use every 18 months. And I also like anything that's client facing, anything my clients have to deal with, I want to change as little as possible. Let's get back to the five emerging components of digital technologies you need to be thinking about in your business or in establishing your business right now. So let's, we're going to start with the least sexy, right? So cloud computing. Cloud computing allows teams to access data via multiple devices and from theoretically any location. Now, you might think like, duh, we've all been using Google Drive and OneDrive and Dropbox for ages. Like, why is this a big deal? When you think about that from a business perspective, this immediately feeds into data privacy as well. But when your employees can access your business from anywhere on multiple devices, immediately security concerns must pop to the frontal lobe cortex of your mind to all, right? And then you start thinking about, well, what devices are they using? Are they using their work devices? Am I providing them with work devices? How am I securing those work devices? What happens if they break one of those work devices? What's the insurance on those devices? Do I want my team being able to access my business 
your business from anywhere on anything at any time? And the answer to that is probably like, no question mark, but cloud computing has changed the way we were able to access the data within our business and the workflows and the clients and the IP, the intellectual property, the, the very thing that might define and monetize your business. So there is so much more to think about now when we onboard an employee or when we switch a software application or when we offboard somebody. I mean, that happens. The, the setting up your business so that you can quickly and easily turn on someone's access and then turn off someone's access is crucial these days. These aren't things that the average business owner had to think about when someone came in, clocked in, and you know, fired up their old desktop computer. So again, not that sexy, but absolutely work with resources like IT and HR, and if you can, digital security experts to really understand how cloud computing is going to affect your business. I'm going to roll this right into data privacy because they absolutely piggyback off of each other. So data privacy, again, something that a lot of businesses have not thought about. And when I talk to business owners about their data privacy policies, they kind of look at me like, huh? As an example, if you use a CRM system, a customer relationship management system, so you're tracking all sorts of customer data, like where are you hosting that? Who's in charge of it? What happens with that data? What do you do when someone is no longer a customer? Who has access to that information? Depending on your industry, there might also be regulations around that. There might be user rights to it. We have to have data privacy policies in place now just to operate legally and safely in business. And again, no, nobody, nobody, like no business owner that I know does this. I was made aware of this with Google Drive. I did a huge consolidation of all of my cloud computing because I've been in business for over 20 years. I had multiple Google Drives, multiple Dropboxes, depending on what business, some of them were Microsoft. So I had one drives going. I also had Dropboxes that I had used. Um, I mean, that kind of summarizes it, but it was, it was a nightmare. I had at least six different cloud computing hubs and then with multiple businesses and files uh, on them. So I wanted to do a huge consolidation and I moved everything to Google Drive. I just, I just pulled the trigger and decided everything's gonna go on Google. It feels like the most universally accessible application for me and the, the like large group of people that I work with. So I went for it, everything was, it, took, it actually took like about three months to consolidate everything, update the file naming protocols. If you don't know what I mean, you should at me about that one and uh, get things secure. And uh, that was right. So I don't know if you guys remember, but I want to say it was fall. So um, like October, November, 2019. And Google had a huge data privacy breach. And so all of our passwords, all of our information was out there. And uh, I noticed that like my Facebook got hacked which then allowed for my banking to get hacked. Uh, so I, I kind of had to move into like triage of like update all passwords and all account details. And I actually shut down Facebook at that point because they were running like heaps of ads using my credit card details, blah, blah, blah. It's actually a different story. 
So I was very distracted with that. And then I went back to, I onboarded a new client. I went to my client folder and it was just gone. Like the whole folder was gone. And I went to Google and I was like, what happened with this? And long story short, the way that Google backs up data and secures data isn't like you're backing up onto a hard drive. Now, in my understanding, I, I back everything up to a hard drive. And I thought the cloud was also a backup as well. But um, no, the, the cloud, if something gets completely deleted from your Google Drive, there is no other backup that's happening for it. And so I, I realized in that moment that all of that data was potentially compromised. And I reached out to the clients at the time, if you're watching this and you didn't hear from me, you're good. Uh, and and I, I had an IT professional that I contracted. And so we put together a data security policy, a data privacy policy, um, and a workflow for various IP, IT things that happened in my business, right? But it, it was just a big aha moment for someone who didn't think about, like, I'm not in a regulated industry. I don't, I mean, I keep like name, email, telephone number. So it's not a lot of, I would say, sensitive data, that, that was in that particular folder. Cli I have contract details. There's no payment. None of that's tracked, but I use a payment processor. I don't know what happens with that data. So I then had to take the next step of looking at all the various platforms that I work with in my business to manage my client information and make sure that they have data privacy policies. So it was a, it was one of those like pain in the asses, but it really got me to like cross my T's and dot my I's in terms of data privacy. And so I encourage you to think about that in your own life and space and not just necessarily if you are or are not in business, but where are you uploading your data? You know, maybe you work with a trusted service provider, but in order to pay them, you're going through PayPal or you're going through Stripe or you're going through their payment processor. Have you ever asked like, what happens with my credit card details or what happens with my bank account details? What happens when we stop working with each other? These are just things that are becoming more and more important. And like I would say, absolutely crucial if you are the person that is asking for these details in any of the work that you do. Just to quickly run through this, because I can't, I feel, I felt like a little weird about talking about data privacy, but then not actually addressing a data privacy policy. So first, just get an understanding of the types of data that you are collecting. Second, the data usage. So how do you collect that data? Where is it stored? Again, like, uh, who has access to it, and then like what happens when you no longer need this data. Data sharing, so do you sell your people's data? Do you collect cookies, pixels? Are you tracking people after they, you know, they might come to your website, but do you then follow them after, like are you tracking their behavior online? Maybe you're using geo-targeting ads. Are you tracking their behavior in the physical world? Have you disclosed that information? Do you want to be the kind of business that just expects people to read like a thousand words of fine print? Or do you want to be much more upfront about the data tracking and give your people options? What are your security measures? So how are you backing things up? Again, how safe is it? Who has access to it? What level of privilege do they need to access that data? What are your user rights? So do you give people the opportunity to opt in, opt out? Do you have a conversation with them around what you do with and how you store their data? Do you run it all behind the scenes? Do you work with other partners and you have no idea what people do with their data? Or you kind of have a like, don't ask, don't tell policy. I probably sound a little judgy because I am. <laughs> 
I, I, um, I always think about the, the, um, like biometric rings that people are using or the, uh, like flow trackers that women use to sort of manage their menstrual cycles and, or their fertility. And like all of that data was being sold. And I've told this story in another podcast, but someone found out their partner was having a baby because the ads they got, they started getting shown all over their Google feed were essentially because her data was being tracked. Their ISP addresses of their phones were in enough um, proximity to each other enough of the time that Google was able to put together, Hey, well, if this phone owner is with this phone owner all the time, this phone owner is having a baby. So this phone owner should probably start buying them presents for it. That's the kind of scary shit that happens with our data. That's why Web3 can be amazing. But um, so updates to the policy. How often are you updating this? How widespread and widely known are you making those updates? And then lastly, compliance. Again, you know your industry. Are you like HIPAA regulated um, GDPR? That's the, the data management policy that rolled out from Europe and now affects like, all websites. That's why Facebook is getting sued. Um, intellectual property, CCPA, like all those fun little anagrams for different industry bodies and regulators that let you that tell you what you can do with your data. So we got cloud computing, we got data privacy. Now we have workflow automation. Hopefully you've been using these in your business. I am going to be relaunching the anti-business school, we are going to have five days of free workshops on each one of these components. I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning of this. So I'm going to be pulling in experts, people that I work with, and we're going to have a surprise bonus in terms of accessibility, because I think that is so important is understanding how to make your business accessible to those with diverse abilities, both uh, online. So not both in the physical world, that's a whole different thing, but online, how you can focus on being more accessible. So uh, workflow automations, just simply refers to the use of software and tools that can streamline your business processes. And if that doesn't make you really excited, <laughs> we're very different people because automations are like my most favorite thing in business when I can do something and then it just triggers all sorts of work that I used to have to manually do. So I create this video, I upload it to YouTube, it gets shared to the Discord container, it gets it gets shared to my Twitter, it gets shared to my email list, like it just gets distributed and I don't have to do anything. I don't even have to remember, let alone think about it. That is amazing. And there are so many different platforms now that you can connect to the various software applications you're using in your business. I'm even exploring how smart contracts and NFTs can act like a medium for efficiency in business. And I think it's it's really exciting because now we're talking about solutions that go beyond your internal workings of your business and actually allow you to interface with uh, your customers, clients, buyers, audience, number one fan. So if you don't get excited about improving operational efficiencies, reducing errors, and increasing productivity, like I said, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast, and I'd, I'd be shocked if you're still listening, so we're going to move on with that. Look for any, any API. I don't actually know what API stands for, uh, but I know it, it allows different software programs to make out with each other. It's, it's a matchmaker. <laughs> But uh, you can you can often connect so many of the different platforms so that you aren't having to go out of your find uh, your accounting software into your payment processor and then from your payment processor into your inventory system and then from your inventory system to your point of sales like they should all be doing a little dance together. And then you've got fun apps like I think it's IFTTT if this then that 
or Zapier. Zapier is much more well-known. But they'll, there are people who have already built out this connectivity for you so that like every time you create a Google event, it sends a reminder to everybody in your team and it shares the event link in your Slack channel. So there's all sorts of fun stuff like that that you can be doing as well. I'm going to bring in Shannon, who helps me with a lot of the automations in my business to talk about it. Please stay tuned. We'll post links to that as soon as I nail it down. So then lastly, oh, well, not lastly. I was, I was going to skip right to the digital transformation, but what we have now, my friend, is AI. And AI is the, actually the New York Times just posted an article of, about the godfather of AI and how he has quit his job and potentially regrets his life work. I haven't read the article. That was just the headline. Feels very clickbaity to me. If you've seen The Social Network, which was that Netflix documentary, there is, and I mean, if you've been alive for more than five minutes, you would be very, very aware of the debate going around AI. If you're watching this on YouTube, there are thousands of videos people have pumped out in the last four months since ChatGPT hit the mainstream about data prompt engineering and AI art prompts and generative art. And we use this often in NFTs um, and in that sort of uh, art, that digital art world. And people have a lot of opinions about it. Skynet, when I was talking about whichever podcast that was, is the, the Terminator. Anywho, I digress. But yeah, we, we have both a lot of fears and also an unbelievable, quite literally unimaginable amount of opportunity that can be created from AI. I use AI in my research. I use AI in my headline generation. I use AI in idea generation. It has become almost like a sounding board for me. And although I haven't quite gotten to the point where I am using AI to create the end result, I absolutely appreciate its input when I am in the ideation stage of things in my businesses. And, and not just this business, but in the financial consulting, in the DAO, in the property management, like I can get AI to help me with a lease or to edit a paragraph so that I'm covering uh, different properties, um, like various like furnitures and, and like assets and things like that. So I get that there could be a lot to be afraid of. And I, like I said, I'm going to do a different episode on art and intellectual property. I have my own views on this. They are uh, very, uh, very debatable, and I and I and I am open to the discourse. I guess I, I come from this perspective that we can't fight it. Like these technologies are here, and and I know I've talked a lot about this, but when I was working for the record label Napster and BitTorrent hit the market, it was like, okay, well, the thing that we used to sell, the product we sold, is now available for free everywhere instantly okay, we can fight it or we can figure out how to work with it. And the success that was created by figuring out how to work with it, it's just, it's undeniable. So, you know, I wonder what would have happened had we forked to the timeline where major, leopard, major record labels won the litigation and it was deemed illegal and streaming and file sharing and cloud computing, like, all kind of went the way of the dodo, but like, I don't, I, yeah. So the, 
I don't know. I, I, I can't undo the past, nor can I predict the future. But what I do know is that if you plan on your worst case scenarios, that's what you're working towards. If you decide to create a scenario that banks on the positivity and the potential that impacts everybody in a beneficial way, you're probably going to gear towards that. So I, I choose optimism methodically because otherwise everything just gets uh, very dystopian and there doesn't seem to be a lot of point to anything. So that's my own perspective. When it comes to AI, I don't even think we've, we've seen the tip of the iceberg. And I, I think it's going to change the way that we think about everything. And I think ownership, you know, when they say you'll own nothing and like it, we think about like, you won't own your house and you won't own your car. And it's these very material constructs. But if we think about it in terms of like ideas and access, like what if you don't have to pay for access to music or art or books or water or electricity or shelter or food because we've created a world where that is just simply present and we deserve access to it by being. And that is monetized in a manner that we simply haven't dreamed up yet. Like that's utopian rather than a dystopian hellscape <laughs> that we're kind of all living in right now. So that's my AI spiel. Uh, call me crazy. I'm sure I'll get a lot of really fun comments because YouTubers just leave such, such amazing comments. Um, I suppose I should get better about saying things like, if you have something to say, please say it below. Like, subscribe, share. Did you know sharing is actually the best way to get this video seen? I mean, that makes obvious sense, but uh, the more that the video is shared, is like the, that's like the number one metric that YouTube uses for should people see this channel and this content at all. So I don't know, probably obvious now that I say it, it sounds super obvious. So let's talk about digital transformation. So the last um, component of all of this is digital transformation. And having a digital transformation strategy means that you are investing in the benefits, the efficiencies, the productivity, the reduced costs, the better customer experience, the increased revenue, and the cultural shift that is demanded in an organization when they decide we are going to prioritize digital technologies in our business. So this is just simply saying something like what I was describing earlier, like every 18 months, I'm going to, I'm well, every 18 months, we're probably going to have a big shift, which means I'm going to start researching about three months out from that, just because technology is, is adapting so quickly. But what are the key components in my businesses? What are the new techs out there? Do those techs play with my existing technologies? Like, how can I create a new kind of um, web of solutions that allow my business to support me even on my worst day, that allow things to be automated and efficient and create a, the most positive customer, client, buyer, audience, fan experience possible. Something that is intuitive and easy and simple and sexy. I like things to look pretty. So asking yourself, like, how do we develop this comprehensive strategy that, that aligns with the goals and the objectives in our business? And that probably sounds pretty obvious, but 
there are different platforms I could be using right now for invoicing and scheduling and communication, right, in my business. But I found one that just wraps everything up into this pretty package. The scheduling is like not the best, but it allows people a degree of control that I don't have to manage. I'm not, I'm a very like hands-off, low-touch service provider. So I really empower my people to get what they need, to advocate for themselves. So that's a whole nother conversation. But the point being like you get your own portal where you can make appointments, reschedule appointments, look at your contract, look at all of your notes, look at the different resources. And you don't have to ask me about that, right? That's one of my goals and objectives. Now, someone else might want like a really intuitive, really amazing scheduler so that people can just log into an app on their phone that they're already using, because they, the, so many service providers use that app already. If you think about something like Calendly, right? Um, or like ShopPay is another great example. I don't, it doesn't, there's so many different retail shops online now that I don't have to enter in anything. I have a ShopPay account. They have an account with ShopPay and it just makes everything so much easier. I've literally bought things because of that ease. So that's kind of what I mean in terms of like goals and objectives. Like what are the values in your business? I talk about values all the time. Use those to filter your digital transformation policy. So you're addressing new technologies, training, redesigning business processes. So oftentimes when you implement a new software solution, it's going to literally affect the way you do business. So that means you need to be updating your processes regularly. Otherwise, they become like every corporate eye roll example of an SOP. Like it was written in 2005. Nobody's updated yet, but we can take the box of having it. Uh, and then think about partners as well. So you might have the ability to partner with some of these software companies in a manner that creates like a mutually beneficial and potentially even lucrative opportunity for both of you. And then lastly, this is an ongoing process. So this is something that needs to be revisited regularly because of the nature of technology and how quickly it's evolving, but also, and ideally, because your business is going to be growing and your customer needs might be changing and evolving. And the way in which you do business sh should respond to all of that. I think about Mark Zuckerberg. He did, uh, who was that? I want to say... It was Tim Ferriss, only because I can't imagine I would have listened to a Zuckerberg interview uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't with Tim. But I have a feeling this was like a 2020 thing, you know? Um, and this was before Facebook became meta. But Zuckerberg said he basically spent a year going through every single workflow and process in Facebook and just adapting them to the existing technology. I feel like it must have been a 2020 thing because that makes a lot of sense, right? And that's the CEO of the company who's going back through every single process. So just think about that in terms of your own leadership and your digital transformation. Like the buck stops with you, right? And you get to determine what's going to make for the most successful process for you and your business. But recognizing like this is something that needs to be revisited regularly and it's going to be touching a handful of components in my business. And uh, ultimately, it's a cultural shift in, in, in any organization to say, we're, we're going to be, I don't want to say like technology first, but very cognizant of, of our customer client buyer's experience and how technology can make that better. I talk about cultural shift a lot because it's such a, I mean, look, it's, it's um, 
it's not even worth getting into how much it's talked about and how much it's not rolled out well in business. But this is a place where you can really shine in terms of culture because no one likes a software upgrade and implementation. Your team is going to resist it. It will be so much easier to keep using the old thing. And you have to ask yourself, am I celebrating challenge? Do I have an organization where people feel safe to talk about the problems and resistance they're experiencing in a manner that's constructive? Have I looked at every problem as an opportunity or have I... Have I judged people for being um, blamers and, and shamers and essentially complaining about shit? It's okay to recognize that everyone's going to grumble and moan about new software implementation and technologies. And also, how can you make sure that you are supporting people in your team to get the help that they need, especially those who might not be able to absorb the evolution as easily as others? So create an organization that embraces change, embraces technologies, says yes to success, and is absolutely addressing these five core components, the cloud computing, data privacy, workflow automations, AI, that all kind of wrap up into your digital transformation policy. So, oh my gosh, I've been hitting that mic a lot. Thank you very much for, um, for sticking through this. If you did, you know where to find me at the BZ channel on all social platforms. You can join my discord container below where we talk a lot about this. That's where all of the anti-business school digital transformation workshops are going to be. They will be free. The discord container is free. The anti-business school will be on some amazing sale. Uh, you can access it right now, but it's going to be dropping in price. This is the... This is the fifth anniversary of my coaching business. So it's really exciting. And that's actually what I'm celebrating. Let's say yes to success, everybody. Got any questions? Email me hello at NicoleBZ.com. I would love to know what questions you do have. I make entire episodes about that. I create this so that you can access the information you need to start, scale, and succeed in your business. So thank you again. Share this with somebody who needs it. I love you. 